So welcome back to the Mysteria podcast. And my guest today is Mr. Darren McDonald. Thank you for being here. Oh, welcome to join you. Looking forward to it. I've known you for quite some time. I think probably age five or something like that. Yeah, something like that. So Mm -hmm. um, both our boys went together uh, to uh, to school with uh, yourself and your brother. So um, yeah, we're looking at uh, almost going on 20 years, I guess. So over the course of time, became good friends with your parents and we've known each other throughout uh, hockey and soccer and that sort of thing. So yeah. Exciting. And so right away, uh, we'll just hop right in it. Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you grew up. Yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, born and raised in a small town you might have heard of, uh, Niagara Falls. I think a few people have heard of Niagara Falls. <laughs> so <laughs> everybody says you grew up in Niagara Falls, like there's a town there, or there's a city there. And yeah, of course, there is just like any other city, except we've got the uh, We've got the falls, so it's a you know a, a tourist town. But uh, born and raised there, and uh, I, I left Niagara Falls when I was uh, 24 to move out to Vancouver. So um, I've spent uh, a better part of my life now uh, living out of the, the Lower Mainland. So and when you um, so when you moved out Vancouver way, um, was that for work? It was for work. So. Uh, I, I started out uh, when I was 15 in the hotel industry. So I was offered a job out here at the International Plaza Hotel in North Vancouver, uh, which is now closed down. So when I moved out here, I, I didn't know anybody. The only person I knew was the person that hired me. So uh, it was a, a pretty radical change. And to this day, my mother still asks when I'm going to be moving back home. <laughs> a, few, a few things have changed since then. So uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, a, a tough couple of years at the beginning because, you know, I was working midnights. I didn't know anybody. Uh, so, you know, particularly with my schedule, I was working as a night manager at the hotel. So it's pretty hard to have a social life. So, yeah, it was, it, it was tough, but I made it. Well, actually, I, I want to poke you a little bit on that one because that's actually quite interesting because when I moved out to the UK, it was right around the same age as, uh, I guess, 22 or 21 something like that and same thing didn't know anybody and yeah I would agree with that the first little while was certainly um, very very difficult Um, but just getting through that like what especially working nights too so you're also on like a bit of a reverse schedule Um, how did you kind of settle in yeah well you you know first of all when I got here it was in February actually that I moved out and I was living in the hotel, so I didn't have a, a place to live at the time. And I remember my boss, you know, as Expo was getting close to coming about, he's like, McDonald, you got to find a place to live. You got to get out of here. So I started, started looking for a place to live. And I, I, you know, I really didn't know my way around that much. Like to me, you know, I was living in the hotel in North Vancouver. To me, that was Vancouver. I didn't know that anything like, you know, Burnaby or Surrey or anything like that existed. I knew downtown Vancouver that, you know, that was pretty much it. So, you know, I started looking around in the West End for a place to live and, and couldn't find anywhere to live. So it was pretty depressing actually. And, you know, the, the clock was ticking. It's like, you got to get out of this hotel because we, we need that room because, <laughs> you know, with, with Expo, it's, you know, you're, you're full every night. So, you know, you, you need to find a place to live. And I finally found a place. I put down a deposit, 
and uh, I was all excited. I was at work, and then I get a phone call at the hotel. They were looking for me, and the lady said, oh, I've rented it out to somebody else. And I'm like, oh, you know, a couple of days before Expo started, what are we going to do? So this guy named uh, Juan Barros, he was from Chile. He was our room service manager. And I kind of knew him around the hotel. I didn't know him that well. And uh, I guess people had been talking. He came up to me and he goes, look, he says, he says, uh, you know, I got an apartment. He says, pretty big apartment. It's only one bedroom. He says, but we can turn the dining room into a bedroom. He says, <laughs> you're working nights. And he says, I'm working days. So we could probably make it work out. And I was kind of, you know, wondering how is this going to work? Anyway, uh, we got together and um, took a look at the, at the apartment. It was a big apartment. And uh, we, we kind of came up with a way that we could convert the dining room into, <laughs> into a bedroom. And uh, just out of the blue, he says, uh, he says, Hey, do you like horse racing? And I go, yeah, I love horse racing. He goes, well, let's go down to the track. And we ended up at Hastings Park and we hit it off, you know, right away. It, it was, you know, actually kind of surreal. So we ended up uh, roommates in three different places over, over the course of the years, actually. And he ended up moving to Toronto. So I, I think he's in Montreal now, but uh, uh, that was uh, a life you know, saving thing for me because I was like in panic mode. I didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't know where I was going to live. I had a job, so I knew <laughs> I had to live someplace, but it ended up working out pretty good. That's an adventure. I like that. Oh yeah. I've had a few. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Well, you know, you got to, uh, you got to make uh, lemonade with lemons, right? You know, you got to do what you can. You do what you got to do. I like that. And so you're in the, hotel business or in hospitality and how long did you do that for so during the, that time were you still in the in the hotel business yeah i was in the hotel business up until uh, uh we had jake uh, my oldest son and he was about uh i can't remember now a year or two too old and my wife marisa said you better find yourself another career <laughs> <laughs> because the hotel industry especially if you're in management it's you know you're working days, you're working nights, you're working long hours, you're working every holiday that there is. And, you know, have, having been, you know, recently married and a young child, it, it just wasn't working out. So I actually kind of bounced around from, a, you know, a couple of different, uh, different jobs after that one. I went and got my uh, futures license, actually, and gave that a try and uh, did that for a little while, didn't make any money. <laughs> so, uh, I ended up getting into uh, the, the technical side of things, not so much in, uh, I'm, I'm not uh, necessarily a, a technical, a highly skilled technical person myself, but on the project management side with a few technical companies. So um, yeah, I got lots of hotel stories, but the, you know, for later in the, in the yeah. call or another time, maybe. <laughs> for the behind the scenes call. <laughs> And what camera there? Uh, and so once you settled into your now the the career path that you transitioned into is that the career path that you've stayed on since then? Uh, so I, I was working for a, a company called uh, Icon Technical Solutions, and I, I just kind of landed into that job through a friend of mine. And it, it's one of those. I, I have this knack for getting these jobs and ending ending up working for people and. You know, they, they, I've always been referred to as, you know, 
if we don't know how to do it or what to do, it gives it gives to Darren, he'll figure it out. So <laughs> I worked for that company for a little while. And then the owner of that company um, started a company down in uh, Bellevue or Redmond, Washington. Our, our offices were in Bellevue. It's right on the border of Redmond. And, and uh, we were a vendor for Microsoft. So I actually ended up working for that company for 10 years. Uh, did a lot. Well, all, all the work I did was with Microsoft. So I spent a lot of time on the campus down there. I was working from home here in Vancouver or Burnaby. Uh, but I had an apartment down in Washington, which was which I missed dearly. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I was down there you know, every couple of weeks or so for a couple of days and you know, spent 10 years doing that and basically transitioned from that pretty much doing the same type of work into the career I'm in now. So I got a perfect question for you with that. Um, pretty obviously, how do you balance home life and work life when you're physically not home with, uh, you know, I guess young kids at that time too? Um, it's not easy, but I had a lot of flexibility. So, you know, to, to be quite honest, when I was working for this company down in the States, you know, it, it was more or less, uh, you know, eight o'clock, I'd put the kids to bed hop in a car, you know, two hour drive down, down to Washington and, you know, spend a couple of days there and then, and then back. And in the summertime, it worked out pretty good because uh, uh, Marisa, Marisa teaches, so she's got the summers off. So we we're, were able to spend more time down there uh, with the kids and with the family. They'd go and do their thing around Seattle and I'd work. But, um, I, you know, I've been working uh, from home for quite a few years now um, throughout uh, different aspects of my careers and you just figure out a way to make it work it's it's not always easy um, as you know I coached a lot of hockey and baseball so I you know working at home I was fortunate uh, believe it or not I would schedule my work around uh, practices and games <laughs> and, and just make it work you know well it's funny because I mean when you when you mentioned like at, at work when someone has a problem give it to Darren, he'll figure it out. That's a great place to be because, you know, having that type of responsibility and, you know, at times I guess it can be a bit of a pain, but at least being relied on and, and being able to execute is always a, a positive. It was either that or they had something they couldn't be bothered to do and they would give it to me <laughs> one or the other. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so you got that. <laughs> yeah, that's not so but, bad. I mean, you know, I, I always look forward to those challenges and, uh, you, know, you know, quite often it would be, you know, people would ask me, what, what's your job there? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of in charge of cats and dogs. Like, you know, what, whatever gets thrown at me, I, I, I take on, I figure out a solution and um, I, I continue to do that to this day. Well, and I guess when you... That you, when you started out, you know, moving out to West Coast, not knowing anybody, it does kind of make sense if you think about it. When you, when you look at it, hindsight, you know, just having to solve problems, or you know, that's just it. Yeah, you got to be able to stand on your own two feet. And I got to, you know, be quite honest with you. There were times I didn't know how I was going to pay the rent because, uh, you know, I, the hotel I worked for initially in North Vancouver shut down, and I was there for um, part of the closing team that only lasted so long. And then I was working at a, another hotel that got by, bought by a chain and then, you know, so out of work again. And, you know, that happened to me a few times. So, you know, there's times where, you know, especially when you're young, how the heck are you going to pay the rent? But you always figure it out. And sometimes I, I got into taking on some jobs temporarily to get myself through. And, uh, you know, that that's something that you have to do. I did some bartending at one point. 
<laughs> and it was, you know, got to pay the rent. You know, you're young and you're single and you don't know what's in store for you next. So you do whatever it takes. Jack of all trades too. Got to be pretty humble about it too. Yeah, that's yep. true. And so going through all that, I know we'll kind of jump around a little bit and it, yeah, yeah. it usually connects back at some point in time. But um, one of the things that I'm very interested in is just dealing, um, finding a way to be self-reliant in dealing with conflict um, or not even necessarily conflict, but just challenges in, in general. And a lot of the times, you know, one of the things that I notice at least is nowadays you can rely a lot on, if not other people, which of course is always an option if it's available, but you can re- you listen to podcasts, you can, you got books, like there's a lot of things that you can reach out to, to give you some guidance, um, along with people, you know, if, if that's the case, going through those challenging times, what would be your go-to when it comes for a support system? I I would have to say friends, uh, colleagues, for sure. I've, I've had a lot of jobs over the years. And most of the times it was because I knew somebody, you know, uh, very rarely was that, you know, having to, you know, send your resumes out and, and knocking on doors, trying to find work. Uh, a lot of my employment and I've, you know, had some, some pretty good gigs. Uh, this job in Washington that I, you know, spent 10 years at was through, you know, a friend and, you know, that same friend, I was able to reciprocate for him one time. He was, you know, in, in a similar situation with me, married kids, was out of work, uh, got laid off from his job. And, you know, I was able to uh, put him on a, on a path that uh, changed his career, too. So I would absolutely say, you know, you know, keep your friends close and keep your, your colleagues close, too, because you never know who you're going to have to rely on. And, and when it comes to that, excuse me I guess one of the things that you definitely go through in life is is people who you think are your friends or people who you know do come through and and sometimes they don't come through how do you manage that as well like when you kind of put your trust in someone and maybe it doesn't work out so well you know to bounce back from that how do you how do you readjust at that point you know what Um, you know who your friends are I mean, we've all, we, we all know a lot of people. We all have a lot of acquaintances. You can make a lot of friends. It, it takes a long time to make a good friend. That doesn't happen overnight. So um, to answer your question, um, I, I would be pretty guarded on, guarded on uh, saying who I would have a lot of uh, faith in or a lot yeah, of confidence yeah. in. So um yeah, you know, I've got one one friend in particular. We we we've worked at three different places together, and um, over the course of the years, we've helped each other out. And uh, you know, I I could say for certain if if I had a problem or if I needed help, he'd be the go-to guy, and he probably would say the same thing about me. I at least I hope he would. Well, he has so. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because that's one of those things. Like, especially I don't know, maybe it's just. Uh, generational thing or, or whatever but you know it definitely seems at least kind of anecdotally that I don't know if it's a like a tech thing like the the fact that social media is so much more prevalent obviously now from you know before in that case but it does seem that people really do have a a tough time 
I guess, fine tuning their radar for finding people who that who they can rely on, because it seems like that's one of those things that it just seems to be particularly difficult nowadays. But then again, that could just be my my generational perspective talking. Well, the social aspects are different now. Um, you know, our, there, there's so much more communication by text. We, we all text and, you know, some use Facebook a lot. I'm not a big Facebook person, but uh, um, I think that, uh, yeah, it is a generational thing. I mean, when I see my son in his bedroom, my younger son on his phone, what are you doing? I'm studying. You know, you're studying <laughs> on your phone. Like, you know, <laughs> the heck's all that about? But, you know, I, I get it. I understand it. And I, I think it's just a matter of, uh, you know, understanding that things have changed. And, and then you start dating yourself because you look back when you were a kid and how, how your parents were and how things were, were changing for us as kids. So, um, you know, I, I think there's, there's uh, the, the social aspect is different, is, is completely different, the, the interaction between people. And that's just the way it is. You know, there'll be another generation that will have different ideas about how things should be and look back at uh, young guys like you and think, what the heck were you thinking? <laughs> like always, right? I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's just it. And um, when we spoke on the phone, um, setting the, the podcast up, um, obviously talking about, um, so you, you told me, tr- um, going down to Washington and, and doing the traveling back and forth that way. Um, but other than traveling down to the States, did your job require you to travel elsewhere? The, that job? Yeah. That, no, it didn't. It was pretty okay. much, yeah, because I was working entirely for Microsoft. So um, yeah, it was pretty much uh, down in the Microsoft campus and back. I After 10 years, I knew the i5 pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah fair but yeah there was no other travel with that, uh, okay. with that job, unlike now <laughs> right yeah and then um prior to covid obviously um traveling elsewhere um so that would have been so the the career that you're in now um it, it's still in the tech industry though um yeah we're uh aviation focused though so um, so our company, um, our company has been around for about 20 years, uh, based out of Richmond. And what we do is we, we sell, uh, systems and courseware to airlines, um, for them to train their pilots, cabin crew, uh, aircraft maintenance, maintenance engineers. And we were recently purchased by, um, a company out of Montreal, CAE. I don't know if you've heard of CAE, but they're the largest simulator uh, company in the world, aircraft simulator. So CAE just recently purchased us. So I'm now a CAE employee. But uh, my, my, my job is uh, um, to work with various airlines worldwide um, to implement their training footprints using our systems and courseware in order to train anywhere from uh, pilots to cabin crew to uh, uh, aircraft maintenance engineers, grounds crew, uh, et cetera, anything to do with aviation. So we're, we're strictly aviation focused company. And with that, the, I, I know it's kind of interesting for, for your job now, cause you kind of, it still sort of seems like you do multiple, like you have your one job, but there's multiple factors involved in that. Um, as far as dealing with, um, 
customers or clients, um, those skills that you use now were those skills that you could rely on from your, you know, the many different jobs that you did in the past, or was it one of those things that you kind of had to learn a little bit more on the fly to be? Uh, no, uh, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I was in management at a very young age in the hotel industry. Uh, I got my first management position when I was 18 and uh, worked my way up, you know, through the ranks in the hotel industry. So it um, doesn't matter what industry you're in. Um, there's a, a lot that you, uh, you'd learn and you know that you can apply to different industries. And um, when, when I got into the, the job that I was doing down in Washington, you know, I was basically applying, although at the, at the time I didn't know anything about uh, a lot of the work that we were doing with Microsoft, but had to rely heavily on technical writers and editors that I would manage. So um, my, my strengths were working with the customers and managing uh, the people that were doing the work. And I was able to move that over to the aviation industry as well. I spent a lot of time um, meeting with uh, the uh, training departments at various airlines. As a matter of fact, I got a call right after this one with Hong Kong Airlines and, you know, that that's what we do. So um, we've got a, a pretty big group of people, uh, like within our company that was just purchased, we've got about 100 people. Uh, you know, most of our s subject matter experts are retired pilots. Um, We've got a lot of graphic designers, software developers. So I'm not a developer. I'm not a a uh, graphics graphics artist i'm not a pilot <laughs> but i can apply everything that i've learned over the years to successfully uh manage uh implementations manage the relationship with the customer a uh, big part of what i do is maintaining that relationship so did i know anything about aviation when i joined the company didn't know anything about aviation except, you know, how to get on an airplane and how to check my luggage, which I do a lot of now. Um, but, you know, over the course of time, I've been with this company for almost 10 years now. Uh, at, at the beginning, it was like customers were asking me questions about, you know, do you have an A320 with a CFM engine? And I'm like, what the hell is a CFM engine? I'm like, well, I'll get back to you on that, <laughs> you know? So, you know, what went from that to learning every engine type there is on an aircraft. And uh, I, I can't fly a plane, but I pretty much know how everything works. Just, uh, you know, ha having worked with the various teams over the years, but uh, I'm, I'm able to leverage a lot of the expertise we have within our company to be successful to uh, be able to speak to speak with our customers, which I can do now and, and confidently. And, and when you transitioned into the, the aviation industry, um, when it comes to managing, I guess, subordinates, I guess would be the, the term for that. Did you ever find that because your background wasn't in that industry, it was difficult to like, did you ever get any blowback from that for the fact like, oh, you know, you're not kind of one of us sort of thing? Like, was the, was it difficult in that sense? Um, I would say there were some challenges at the beginning, um, particularly when it came to the technical side of things, because I'm not, when, when I say I'm not technical, you know, I'm, I'm not a developer and, and uh, you know, to that extent. So there, there was some difficulty dealing with uh, the system side of things because I wasn't that technical, but 
you know, I got through it. I uh, made my way through, you know, a couple of tough times. But on the aviation side, I've got such a good relationship with all of the, uh, you know, our, our courseware team and all of our subject matter experts. And I still learn from them. Um, you know, I, I'm, uh, most of our subject matter experts are retired pilots, so they're older than me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I still learn from them. Having said that, they're learning from me. So, you know, we've got, you know, guys have been out of, out of the plane for a long time working for us and, and they're learning from me as well. So um, I, I, I would say, you know, most of the, the work that I do, I relied on, on my background and it was just a matter of, you know, lear learning the, the aviation industry, learning what our marketplace looks like, you know, learning who our customers are. And that's, gonna, a good, that's a good question because uh, <laughs> it, it, it could be tough sometimes. It depends who you're working with too. Mm -hmm. Well, whenever you're managed, like you, you did bring this up earlier, which, which I think is really important is that people, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, but the relationships with people, it, it's pretty much the same principles that you have to apply in order to be successful, at least. It, it's golden. Um, you know, I've got, I, that's one of my strengths, I believe, is that the relationship that I can establish with uh, my customers and that relationship strengths and strengthens when you're able to meet with them in person. So I, I do travel all over the world, pretty much on every continent. We've got over 150 airlines as customers. So I, I do a lot, well, you know, pre-March pre <laughs> of last year, um, like in January, January, February last year, I flew 30,000 miles just in a matter of a few weeks uh, between... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I, I was pretty tired coming home. My dog missed me, and uh, <laughs> she she always gets upset when she sees the sees the suitcase getting packed. But uh, yeah, I put on thirty thousand miles, and I you know last year I flew uh, or, the, or the year before that seventy five thousand miles in the year. So for me, it's really important to be able to get out, uh, meet with the customers face to face, and it makes a, a huge difference because we do. I have a lot of meetings online. Um, I have to work through multiple time zones. So like, uh, you know, I've got a call at 1030 tonight. Sometimes I might have one at six in the morning and you just work your schedule around whatever you need to do to meet with uh, your customers. But there's a huge difference when uh, you're, you're meeting with somebody online and you haven't met them in person. You know, once you meet them in person, it, it takes that relationship to another level. Uh, which is really important. So I, you know, it's always been important for me, you know, when I can to be able to get on site, meet with our customers. Um, um, you know, we've got customers on every continent. So L lots of traveling. Mm -hmm. And well, I, I want to backtrack a little bit because I, I just thought of this, but reason I'm going to ask this question is because a lot of my friends we've been discussing this amongst ourselves because we're some of my friends are actually already in the workforce and some of us are shortly going to be getting into it. And there's, well, I don't want to say there's not a lot of good information because it, it, I think there is a lot of information uh, when it comes to interviewing and preparing yourself, you know, giving yourself the best chance to get the job that you want. Um, I think the, the difficulty comes through sorting out what is good or bad information. 
Um, but my question to you is when you were transitioning into the, the career that you're in now, when you went through the interview process for that, is it safe to assume that your background of doing so many different things, I guess it's a lot of different things, but kind of the core principles were the same. Did that work for you in that sense? I didn't actually get interviewed. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the guy that owns the company um, that started the company was a friend of mine. And he basically just phoned me up one day and uh, he, he was aware of the work that I was doing with uh, my former company with Microsoft. And he just phoned me up one day and I, and I was doing some contract work at the time. So um, uh, I had lost my job in Washington during the uh, downturn in 2009, I guess it was when they had the mortgage crisis, you know, I had a huge impact on our company and uh, uh, myself and a lot of people ended up without a job. So I was doing some contract work and he just phoned me up one day and he goes, look, he says, you know, our, our business is growing. We need people. Um, I want you to, you know, consider coming to work for us. I said, yeah, I'd be interested in talking to you about it. And um, I had lunch with him and his partner and we just had an informal chat and his partner basically just said, you know, whatever, you know, whatever Alan says, I, I agree with him. So <laughs> it just kind of happened like that. And uh, of course there was challenges because all of a sudden, well, who's this guy? And oh, he's a friend of the owner and you know, that sort of thing. So I, I had to uh, tread water carefully and, uh, you know, make my way through things. But uh, yeah, it just started out. I, I was working on a couple of projects with them and one thing led to another and the company was growing and uh, I ended up in the position I'm in now and I was the only one at the time. So that was about four years ago. Uh, we had about 75 airlines and I was the only one that was uh, kind of on the customer service end dealing with the accounts. And now there's a team of five of us. So um, yeah, I, you know, I, I was the first one into the position, and, but I, I kind of grew into the position. It didn't exist. It just happened. It morphed. <laughs> well, that kind of happens said, to me a lot of the, yeah. <laughs> these different jobs I get into. <laughs> oh, here, we'll give it to him. You know? <laughs> well, I guess in your case, the, the best interview is no interview then. <laughs> yeah. I've, I can't remember the last time I had a formal interview to be quite honest. <laughs> well, and you know, but even then, I, I mean, I guess, in a way you by kind of circumventing the the form the formality of it all relying on that relationship that you've established with your friend who was then in a position to say hey i know a guy who would be perfect for this role and then that's you yeah and that's what you know we talked about it at the beginning of the conversation here you know you, you keep your 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 good friends tight and your good colleagues tight as well and um i, I tell that to my kids all the time they don't understand it sometimes. And, you know, Jake, Jake's, you know, working now, Jared will be looking for work when he graduates. And I, I said, your best, like answering ads only goes so far. Your best, best opportunity is to talk to people that, you know, and try to get in that way, because uh, if they know you and they have confidence in you, it's the opportunities come up. And it's up to you then to be able to make the best of those opportunities. It doesn't just, it's not a gift somebody somebody giving to you it helps you know but you still have to you know pull your weight well and that just goes to show the, the importance of having a, a reliable network absolutely biggest thing for me mm -hmm. and so then i'll 
this leads into the next question, which is, um, cause I know that this is the, the area that I'm reading a lot, um, in, which is just how to basically how to be really effective at building rapport with people. And the thing that a lot of like the thing that a lot of people kind of, um, will say about that is like, well, you're just kind of persuade, like you're persuading people, but you're not really building relationships with those people. And it's like, well, no, that's actually not the case. Like you're not manipulating people. Manipulating people is something entirely different. What this is, is about actually being genuine in your approach, which is where the value comes from. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with letting people know that you're looking for a job or that, uh, um, that you're, you're w- willing to contribute in some other way. Um, th- th- nothing wrong with that at all. And I, I, don't, I wouldn't look at, at it as manipulative either. I, I spend a lot of time, actually, I, people that I haven't talked to in years, and you know, all of a sudden I'll see something on LinkedIn, and oh, I wonder how the heck that person mm-hmm. is. And I'll reach out to them. And not a lot of people do that. Like, uh, you know, people that I haven't talked to in 10 years, their name will come up, and I'll send them an email. Hey, what are you up to? What are you doing? And, you know, as simple as that. And you maintain the relationship that way. And uh, like I said, not a lot of people do that, but I I do. And maybe that's why I'm, you know, successful in in getting these jobs uh, like I have. I just put a little star next in my notes. I, I put a little star next to that because that is so important. I'm really happy that you said that. That's Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah be surprised what people come back with and and you know some of these people are in different careers themselves and you never know if somebody's going to be looking for something and uh i've you know at the company that we're at now you know we've brought in you know people to work in our company you know the the same way through other connections you know they'll come up to me do you know somebody as a matter of fact yeah i do you know well and, and trust right it's based on trust because you know that person is going to do well, or, you know, if, the, if they're available, that they'll yeah, do well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I wouldn't, uh, I mean, I, I would be, uh, you're, you're only hurting yourself if you just try to get somebody mm-hmm. in the door, if you don't have the confidence in them that they're going to be able to do the job. So. And, and I think that shows the importance too, about like when you, when you say that you see someone's name on, on LinkedIn and you'll just reach out to say, hi, well, that's genuine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't do it because I'm looking for something, but, mm-hmm. you know, j- just actually last week, you know, a couple of names came up, you know, former colleagues and, you know, I just shoot an email and, Hey, or, you know, message, how are you doing? And, and, you know, what are you up to? And you kind of get the dialogue going and it's always good to do in my mind. Well, and not even for, and, and yeah, like you just said, not even from a professional perspective, but just from a, a personal point of view, like that actually, maybe you, strike up uh, you, you kind of reignite the the relationship a little bit more and all of a sudden you have someone who's pretty cool to talk to and hang out with yeah well you know what it, it's it's funny i i go to uh denver a lot <laughs> um uh, united airlines has their training department down there so uh they're they're one of my accounts so i i go to denver quite a bit and funny thing on monday i see this guy's name come up that uh um that uh, I used to work with and uh, I sent the message, what are you up to? And I was looking, he's living just outside Denver. 
So, you know, I, I haven't seen him in over 10 years, but we got along pretty good and he's living down in the States now. So the next time I go to, down to Denver, I'll probably get together with him for dinner, you know, so. Yeah. And it's not, a, it's not a work thing. It's just a connection thing, but you never know where that might go to. <laughs> and kind of related to that, um, kind of from a more um, professional standpoint, when you mentioned that, um, obviously when you came into that position, you did it through a connection, which I think is fantastic, but there was a bit of that, like, oh, you know, like that guy, you know, he's, he's friends with the owner. Um, and you, and you did mention that, you know, you had to kind of tread waters a little bit more carefully. Um, but is there anything more specific when it comes to that? Like, is it one of those things that do you just kind of make more of an effort because, it's kind of like being like the boss's kid or, you know, it's the same yeah. idea, right? Do you just make more of an effort to build relationships with those people in order to kind of eliminate that kind of negative connotation at all? I, I think what you got to do is show them that you're not afraid to get your hands dirty. You know, if, if you come in as the guy giving the, the instructions and telling people what to do without uh, being willing to do it yourself. Um, so there's probably more of a focus on, you know, some, some issue comes up or something comes up and you jump in and you just take care of it, even though maybe you could have passed that on to somebody whose job it actually was. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think you got to learn to navigate those waters because yeah, for sure. There was, I'm sure that there were people wondering, you know, what's this guy doing here? He's a friend of the owner. And, and uh, I had the same thing happen to me when I, first came out to Vancouver because I had worked for the person that hired me. So it was automatically assumed I, I was his friend. Uh, he, he was a former boss. He was by no means my friend. Um, it was tough navigating that too, but it was, you know, the same thing. You had to be able to show people that you were, you know, doing your own thing and that you weren't relying on that person to, you know, help get you through the day. So put your ego aside, be humble and work hard. <laughs> big, big time. <laughs> big time. <Yeah. laughs> uh, it's funny because that's one of those things that um, uh, I always kind of find is confusing when people, especially for someone like me who um, doesn't have any experience. So you're, you're coming, whatever job you end up in, that's pretty much your first major career, you know, your first entrance Ooh. into a, into a career when you show up with that attitude, it's like, mm, not so much, man. Like you got to work, you should be working harder than everybody else there. Yeah. You can't have an ego. You got to, you have to prove yourself and uh, you're right. You do have to have to work hard and, you know, you know, harder, harder to prove that you're not there because of the person that brought you in and, and to prove that you're not staying there because of that person, you know, you, you need to do your job. If you're not doing a, good job and they're keeping you there and you, you know you're not doing a good job then you're you're sinking in the ship right there mm -hmm. and so now obviously you you've been i mean you've been in the, you've been working for many years now um established um d would you say that mentoring maybe not like in the in the traditional sense but do you find when it comes to managing relationships with the, with the people that you work with would you say that 
you've transitioned at all or, or do maybe more stuff involved with taking some of the, the newer people under your wing if you've had that experience? Uh, yeah, well, you know, so, so I'm probably one of the older guys in our company, like in our, <laughs> um, in, in Palaces, like I said, we were purchased by a, a, a big, big company. So we're, we're kind of, we're, we're being um, established as one company now. Uh, but I, I haven't had a lot of people work directly for me. Um, but I, I've had a you know few people that I work very closely with indirectly. So you know I, I do my best to try to you know guide them. I, I I see potential in people, and I've always been the type of person, you know, when when I look at the people that uh, they may not necessarily work for me uh, or they don't work for me, but my team works very very closely with their team, and I'm always pushing for. Uh, the, the people that I, I, I see have an opportunity to grow within the company, I'll, I'll be the first one that will go to their boss or to HR or what have you and say, look, I see potential in this person. I don't think that we're using them to the best of their capabilities. And I think we need to look at how we can help this person grow, grow in their job and move up the ladder. So I do a lot of that because I don't have a lot of direct reports uh, in the job that I'm in now. Actually, actually I don't have any. Uh, direct reports, but I work with a lot of the younger people. So um, I, I can pick out the ones that I see that we need to uh, nurture and, and keep or, you know, work with them to make sure that they're going to grow within the company. And I've always said it's, you know, it's easy to hire somebody, but it costs you a lot of money to replace somebody. And, and when you say that you see potential in someone, um, maybe a little more specifically um what is it that you're like what is it that grabs your attention okay so i'll give you an example we've got uh one fellow that's working on our technical service team so he, he's technical um it, it's pretty tough actually to find somebody who's very technical and has really good customer service skills mm -hmm. um they, they'll either have one or the other uh, and nothing against the people that are technical. I have a lot of friends that are very <laughs> technical, but you know, it, it's pretty tough to find that match. And that's very important in our company um, because we, you know, we're supporting over 150 airlines that are spending a lot of money to use our systems, our, our courseware. Um, it, it's, there's a lot of regulatory compliance um, there's a lot of reliance on us and our systems to make sure that pilots remain qualified to be able to fly an aircraft. So there's a safety component, a regulation component. So we've got one fellow that we, we brought on and he's, he's pretty technical. And to me, he's got excellent customer service skills. And I listen to him on, you know, on the telephone, talking to people, and I, I listen to how he communicates with people. And I look at this guy, and you know, I've said, you know, to our people, like we we need to keep this guy. You know, if he stays in this job, you know, six months from now, he's going to be gone either because because he got bored, mm -hmm. or he found another job. So we need to start looking at, you know, what what's the next step for him? And he may not even know what's available for him, but I may know, or I may have an idea. So um, I've, I've, there's been several instances within our company uh, where I've, you know, pinpointed people like that. And I've put a push, you know, 
most times without them even knowing that, hey, we need to utilize this person's skills that they have or help them grow the skills that they do have and make sure that they stay with us. You know, like I said, that that person leaves and then you got to hire somebody and it takes you three months to train them. And, you know, it takes them a year to understand the way our customers work and learn to know our customers. It costs a lot of money to do that. So, you know, why, why would you let that person leave? And a lot of times people leave just because, you know, they're looking for more challenges or they're, they're bored with their job or they're looking for more money. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that's really important. Well, that's great that you say that because it, it tells me two things. It tells me that you have pretty good relationships with people up and down the chain of command there because you can go up and say, you, you understand the culture or the culture and the goals of your company enough to recognize that somebody could be, you know, or, or would likely be really helpful at achieving just that. The better people we have working with us, the easier my job's going to be. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'm, I'm very opinionated on that. You know, you know, I, I know some managers that don't hire strong people because they think that it makes them look good or, you know, because they know more than people I, or than themselves. I, I, I look at, you know, finding the best people that you can work and look, look for people that have skills that you don't have or better skills that, than you do have. And it's going to complement, you know, what, what you do. And, the, you know, the stronger the people are around you, uh, the easier your job's going to be. If you're, you know, working with people that are um, not uh, assertive in their job or not willing to learn, it's just going to make your job tougher. Kind of reminds me, I always mess up the expression, but it, but it's basically like all ships rise with the rising tide or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. But I don't but know that, it either, but yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> Moral, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but, but I think that's the importance because it, like you said, it's like, well, if I have good people around me, it makes my job a easier and just better as well it, because I'm absolutely. also yeah. better people. Yep. Absolutely. And well, and that's also good that you work for a company that values that too, though, because that that's important too. You know, th that culture of, we want to surround ourselves with people who are qualified, work hard. You know, that those are the people that we want. You kind of keep the, the bullshit politics out of it, at least as much as you can, right? Yeah. And you've got to, you know, that the effort's got to come from the top down too. Um, everybody's got to buy into it. Um, maybe not everybody sees things the way that I do, but um, that doesn't mean that I can't, uh, you know, reflect on my colleagues and, and tell them what I'm thinking about different individuals in the company where I see potential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just very, yeah. Well, you know, like you said, right. It, it's about managing relationships and yeah, it's just, it's very interesting. I'm just kind of having, I'm just kind of reflecting on that because, because it, it's so critical, like, you know, no matter how many times you say it, like, it's just, you have to kind of keep saying it because that really is just the case being around people who are, willing to put that ego aside, work hard and, and rise up that way. Yeah. Yeah. We've, uh, you know, the, w without getting into details, you know, a lot of the things that uh, we need to do for our customers, 
you know, we, we've got certain people in certain roles that have, you know, responsibilities to help maintain our, our customer sites and keep things updated and stuff. But uh, a lot of times our customers will come directly to me, you know, looking for assistance. And I could easily say, well, you need to talk to support about that. They'll help you. Um, sometimes you just need to jump in, do it yourself. Sometimes it's quicker. Um, and if you're able to turn something around pretty quick for the customer, they're going to appreciate it. We've had uh, um, people retire at airlines, uh, training managers, pilots that come and work for us. Happens all the time. So we, we've got, I've got people who were my customer are now my colleagues. So and that's that, pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that just goes to show if you didn't treat your, your uh, customers very well. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the uh, I, I remember when I first started there, we, we had a, a client and it was a pretty small client and I, I won't say what the name of it was, uh, who, the, who the client was, but they were a pretty small client and they were upset about something. And I remember somebody made a comment um, in, in the room I was sitting in and because this client said that they were leaving us, uh, they weren't happy with the support that they were getting. They said that they were leaving us and somebody says, well, it's no big deal because they weren't a big customer anyway. And I said, it doesn't matter that they weren't a big customer. I said, because that person that we deal with may go to work for the big customer and you never know when you're going to run into them again. And I said, you remember that. And you'd be very surprised how many times um, I've had a, a customer leave an airline and then three months later, they phone me up and say, oh, I'm working for this new startup. I want to do business with you. So absolutely. Like there, there's no such thing as a, a small customer. They, they all have to be treated equally. There's, there's some that pay us a lot more money than others. And of course you're going to, you know, work a bit harder, but it doesn't minimize uh what you what you do for the other customers that maybe aren't paying you as much or they're smaller companies they all got to be treated the same well and, and the value like you said like you don't treat you don't give less care to a client who's smaller albeit you may have to work you may have to do more work for the bigger clients just because they're bigger clients so the work may be more but the the work ethic behind that must remain you know at a very high standard at least Sometimes you got to do harder work for the smaller customers because they don't have the resources to do what they need to do. And they lean on you, you know, a little bit more. So that happens too. Um, I know we, uh, today's going to be a little bit of a shorter one. Cause I know we both have uh, some stuff we have to do after this uh, yeah, call no here. Um, but when it comes to just inject, cause you have, you know, two kids yourself and, and, I guess maybe, yeah, I guess I can just ask it like that. I mean, just what advice generally, I mean, I guess this whole conversation has been pretty informed. Certainly for me, I got a bunch of stars all over my notes here. Um, but just generally speaking, um, for people entering the workforce and, and getting ready to establish themselves in that way, um, what things would you tell them to focus on? Well, I, like I, I would say that you, you can't be afraid to get your feet wet. So if you're, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, my older son, Jake, he's uh, 
working, he, he got his degree in mining engineering. So uh, he's worked at a couple different mines. He did an internship. Um, the mine that he's working at now, he's doing uh, geotechnical work for them. It's not what he wants to be doing. He, he wants to be doing engineering work. He's doing geotechnical work at a mine. And I, you know, I told him, what, you know, when he, he went up there and it was uh, supposed to be for a few months and then um, they decided they were going to be expanding their operation. They told him they wanted to bring him on full time. Great. And he was kind of, you know, well, it's not really what I want to be doing. I have this opportunity at this other mine, but, you know, I, I'm not sure if that's what I want to do. And I said, look, I said, um, if you like where you're working right now and, you know, the, the money's decent, you, 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 you like the job, it may not be exactly what you want to do, but put in the time because you don't know what's going to be around the corner. And the reason that he went up a week early on this rotation is because he's going to be doing some training underground, uh, doing some engineering work. So he stuck it out. He's been analyzing his core samples and doing all his mineralogical work, which is not what he got his degree in. And now he's this week, he's up there early and they're, they're training him to do some uh, um, engineering surveying underground. So, you know, that, that was my advice to him. Like, you know, the opportunities will come. You're young, you know, he's 24, he's the same age as you. Uh, the opportunities will come. You may not be doing exactly what you want to do uh, initially, but you need, you need to get your foot in the door and those opportunities will come. I mean, that, that's happened with me, you know, over and over. And the same thing applies to my other son. He's, uh, you know, he's got an idea of what he wants to do. He doesn't know how he's going to get there. And I'm like, you know what? You get into the industry, you take what job that you can get, and it's easier to find a job when you're working than when you're not working. No question. Do what you have to do to do what you want yeah. to do. Yeah, that's uh, well, well put, well put. <laughs> I just, I just, I just reframed what you said. That's <laughs> no, that's great. Well, you know what? I, I want to end it right there. Cause I, I think that was a excellent answer. So yeah, thank you so much for doing this. It, it's really nice to see you. It, it's been so long since I've actually seen you. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, thank you so much for you taking the time out of your day to do this. And I, I got stars all over the place. So I'm going to be reviewing my notes and listening back for sure. And uh, yeah, just thank you so much. No, I, I enjoyed it. It's uh, yeah, a good experience for me too to do. See, <laughs> you, you're never too old to do new things. You know, this is the <laughs> first right. time I've kind of done something like this. So um, no, it's been my pleasure. Uh, I wish I could have told you some uh, exciting road trip stories on my adventures to all these different countries all over the world, but maybe on a, on a, another session, but uh, we'll save it for next time. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that, uh, yeah, I haven't seen you in a long time either. Uh, maybe driving by and that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I was hoping that I was uh, going to be able to meet up with you in the UK on one of my trips. And unfortunately that didn't happen, but you're, you're around the corner. So hopefully oh. we'll be able to get together with you all soon. And I'll be, I'll be getting back there. You can't keep me out of that, please. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. And yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, we'll be, we'll be having you on again soon. Okay, Marcus. Uh, glad, glad that you reached out to me and uh, I enjoyed the discussion.